Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Welcome into another quarantined edition of the Score North Gophers Show. I would be Ross Brendel, joined today by James Murphy. At Murph underscore MN on Twitter, I would be at Brendel Ross. I'll spell it out just to prove that I at least made it past first grade. B-R-E-N-D-E-L-R-O-S-S on the Twitter machine. Murph, how are you doing? And as we record this, happy quarantined Friday. We both still have our Monday through Friday gigs. So I guess the weekend still kind of means something, even though every day is kind of the same, but it is still nice to have a little bit of that refresh. So how are you doing on this lovely Friday? I am actually doing a good job of keeping track of the days. It does help that I have, that I still have, a, you know, we still have our, our main, as you mentioned, our, our Monday through Friday gigs. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not like questioning what day of the week it is. I'm not to that level of quarantine as some people are, are currently at, but uh, I've been, I've been enjoying myself. Uh, how, how about you? Have you been finding a way to make it as, as positive as humanly possible. Yes, yeah, still not a lot has changed for me, Murph. I am doing basically Friday night through Saturday. I try to honor not paying much attention to work unless I get a text from somebody that I report to, and then I'll kind of dial back in on Sunday just because that's the, the business that I'm in. You're always kind of working. But I have been trying to allow my brain a little bit of still reset and weekend time and much like everybody else again we don't need to bore people to tears it's a lot of netflix i'm a single dude so yes it involves a lot of video games surprisingly murph not a ton of adult beverages i've had a few i've i've partaken in a few cocktails but nothing nothing major out of the norm maybe actually a little bit less than pre-quarantine right yeah i i found myself doing that i mean um, I, I, I think I went about a month or so without having any alcoholic beverage. So, and that's not like me, but I just, I, I didn't, I'm a very social butterfly when it comes to that. So not being able to go out kind of like, I, I don't, I don't, you know, sit and drink by myself. So I, I don't, uh, that's not that, for me. I was, it was, it was nice to take a little bit of a, a little bit of a breather. I think the older you get, you tend to appreciate a bit more like the one and done at home, but it's also probably not advised by most doctors. Let's leave the <laughs> let's leave the where degenerate talk there and talk some golden go for basketball. We'll get in to a little bit of football too, but I want to start with Liam Robbins, not Dobbins. I keep falling into that track. Don't know why my brain's trained for that. Liam Robbins, he is the transfer from Duke. He averaged 14.7 boards and almost three blocks per game last year. 2.9, that was fifth in the nation as a sophomore at Drake last season in the Missouri Valley. 
He is seeking a waiver to play right away next year for the Gophers, Murph, but who knows what the NCAA will decide there. They may decide to let all transfers play next year because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Pulling most of that information from Marcus Fuller's story at StarTribune.com. I did not get your thoughts on Liam Robbins. The last time we talked, we just talked about some of the transfers who were out there. Overall, Murph, at least where I'm at, on the grand scheme of things of getting transfers, this seems to be a, a, a pretty big get, no pun intended, because he's, I think, seven foot three. This is a good get for the Gophers, but as Manny Hill pointed out, it's not like you're losing Daniel Oturu and replacing him with Daniel Oturu. I don't think anybody expects that that's going to happen. But on the flip side to that argument, it is nice that it appears they're at least getting a capable body. I would say this, Murph, and then I'll let you respond. If he averaged 14.1 points, 7.1 boards last year at Drake and 2.9 blocks per game, I don't think it's fair to think he'll do better than that in his first season of Big Ten play. But if he could have comparable numbers to that, that would be really good for Richard Pitino and the Gophers if he's allowed to play next year. Yeah, and I'm, I we kind of mentioned last last uh, episode of that we were together where you want transfers where they're able to make a difference either because they put up big numbers, even if it's a smaller school that they happen to, to be at previous, or in, in the case of, of like a Brandon Johnson, who we'll get to, is a, is a graduate transfer who is bringing experience, leadership, and all of those qualities. Liam Robbins is going to be a, I think, a really important piece for this Gophers team because they were going to need to add size even if they were to keep Daniel Oturu because they it seemed like, especially down the stretch in games last year, they were constantly being out-rebounded. They were constantly being bullied inside. And, and Daniel Oturu was a good, good defender and a good rebounder, but he was really the only one. And... They would have needed to add size and defense and rebounding, even if they would have kept him. So, with them, with Daniel making the decision to go to the NBA and and hopefully be a, a lottery pick, Liam Robbins is going to have to come in. And if he if he's going to be playing next year, which all, all signs kind of point that they that that it, uh, he will be, <laughs> but if 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 he is playing. That's going to be a big addition for this Gopher team who desperately needed the size that he's going to bring. Okay, so in the last pod, maybe even two, but definitely the last one, spent a fair amount of time talking Liam Robbins. So we'll we'll leave that there. If you want more of a breakdown on Liam, Manny Hill and I discussed him in the last edition of the Score North Gophers show. We'll shift gears to Brandon Johnson, not my good buddy Brandon Johnson, one of just a few other Brandon Johnsons. He's a grad transfer from Western Michigan. He will be able to play right away. He averaged 15, we'll call it 15 and a half points and eight rebounds per game while shooting almost 46% in 2019 and 2020. I look at this Murph as the college version of a trade. Peyton Willis has left the program. So enter to enter the transfer portal. 
enter Brandon Johnson. That transfer portal, Murph, now includes over 600 players. That also per Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune. That's a crazy number, but there is what? Like 340 Division I college basketball teams. So maybe it's not that crazy, but that's still a huge number. I'd be interested to see that compared to some some of the other years, just because you're right. It does seem like a large amount of players who are transferring this year. And then, you know, for one reason or another, you could go with that. But and, and just transferring in general has become more prevalent over the last five or so years. But it just seems like a large amount. I, I'd agree with you. Yeah, and I have a theory on why transfers are up across the country. But that actually might be a good pod for a, another quarantined edition of the Score North Gophers show. I mentioned I liken it to a trade. This is the college version of a trade to me because... You end up getting Brandon Johnson, again, 15.5 points per game, 8 rebounds. Peyton Willis entering that transfer portal. He averaged 9 points, 3.5 boards last year. This might be the rare case, albeit you only are going to get one year of Brandon Johnson. This might be the rare case where maybe you're getting a little bit better of a player who can help you right now, but it's... It's not like you're getting a transformational player either. But again, I would say for Richard Pitino, this appears to be a good get. But again, the competition in the MAC, not the competition in the Big Ten. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I would think about the production you were getting from Peyton Willis last year and you were hoping to get from him next year, I would think Brandon Johnson's going to give you that and maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, and and I want to I want to be clear about this. I think the Gophers could have certainly used Peyton Willis if he would have stayed around next year. I think that ideally he plays less minutes than he did this year because he almost was playing big like I'm talking twenty to thirty minutes per game out of necessity um, just because they didn't have any other depth to play. Peyton Willis was a fine player. He was maybe a little outmatched in certain games. But other games, he was hot, and he was a big part of the offense, especially with his three-point shooting if it happened to be on in a particular game. I think like they could have used him next year in a, in a more limited role, and that may have, you know, in, in, in a pinch, he would have been better than trying to play him for 30 minutes, and then maybe he would get a little exposed defensively, and, and just he wasn't meant to be playing that many minutes. So I think it's going to be important to to replace his shooting, and 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 we'll see next year. I ideal ideally, it's going to mean younger players are going to get a chance as well. But I I, I agree with you. I think Brandon Johnson is a good get. Um, what did I just mention with Liam Robbins? Um, the fact that he was producing at Western, and that um, he, again he's a he was a, a three years there coming here for his his graduate senior se- or graduate transfer senior season at Minnesota. I think um, that that's going to be a good piece for the Gophers to add if he can provide some some uh, some three point shooting and some size because he he was averaging I think it was seven or eight rebounds a game as well. Rebounding again was something that the Gophers struggled with last year. So if he can. Um, help with that, that's going to be really important as well. Does a potential starting five, as Lainey gets in my way again, she is making a lot of appearances on the Quarantine Score North Gophers show. Lainey, for the listeners, is a 11 and a half, almost 12-year-old feline gray tabby. She she wants to be famous. We'll put it to you that way. (laughs) And you know what? I would take it. She is a money taker. 
I would certainly appreciate it if at some point she became a money maker. <laughs> Starting five next year of Marcus Carr, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Gabe Kelsher, Brandon Johnson, Liam Robbins, and hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully maybe Kerwin Walton in the rotation off the bench. Let's leave him off of that because we don't know if that's going to happen. But just that five of Marcus Carr, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Gabe Kelsher, Brandon Johnson, and Liam Robbins, that feels like a national invitational tournament team, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think um, we have to mention Isaiah Enan, too, because he was he came on strong last year. And if he can provide, again, that size, and you saw his three-point shooting really coming on, too. Those two things, if he can do that, he could find a way into the starting lineup for the Gophers next year. I could I could certainly see that. Another name, Trey Williams. I really wanted to see more of him than, than we really got to see last year. So next year, I think is you're going to see more of Trey Williams. And then the one name we haven't really mentioned yet is Jarvis Omersa. I guess we'll see uh, the, the role that he carves out for himself next year. But he was one of the, obviously, the three freshmen that came together from Minnesota, talking about Oturu, Omersa, and Gabe Kalsher. Well, two other things of note here too, Murph. We, you, we've brought this up before. You specifically were the first person to to bring his name up in quite some time on this show. But Eric Curry will be available next year. To what extent, we don't know. And I mentioned Marcus Carr in, in that potential starting lineup for 2020-2021. Well, we still don't know if he's going to be on the roster next year. If he's not on yeah. the roster next year... Oh and boy. That's a completely different story. <laughs> that's a completely different story if Marcus Carr is not a part of your your 2020-2021 University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. It's already a bit of I don't want to say ragtag might not be the right phrasing of what the group I think that's is. Fair. I think but that's a fair it's term. it's a very hodgepodge roster, which to Richard Patino's credits, or maybe credit's not the right word. Putting together a roster the way he's constructed it for next year at this point, that's very tough to do. <laughs> it's After losing your, your best player, you know, in two years early to the draft. So I, I think that if, if, if it ends up where Marcus Carr comes back and you run, they, the fact that they went out and they've already gotten a couple of, uh, a couple of seasoned veterans when it comes to college basketball, I think that's really going to help a young team um, maybe overachieve a little bit. Maybe maybe we're a little we're sleeping a little bit on on some of the younger guys, and we'll we'll see. I, I would love to see Marcus Carr back in the fold for next year because that that changes the expectations immensely compared to a team that doesn't involve him. If Marcus Carr is back next year, there's nothing that says. This can't be an NCAA tournament team. If you get some progression from players, maybe Robbins comes in and he's every bit as good as we're hoping that he's going to be at least maintaining those numbers that he had at Drake. And then you hope Brandon Johnson, who is a, as you said, a seasoned college basketball player is able to just provide some depth and honestly, for lack of a better way of putting it, just functionality at the forward position so they don't have to go so deep into that bench with maybe guys who aren't ready to contribute yet. Murph, what's your takeaway here? Does it trouble you that there seems to be a bit of a, I don't know if it's a true mass exodus of players from the program in the last two years? Maybe I'm wording that a bit too strong but Amir Coffey left early, and albeit he ended up getting some run in the NBA, I think most people thought he would have been 
better served coming back to play college basketball. There was some chatter that he and the coach didn't always see eye to eye. Daniel Oturu leaves early this year. That's entirely explainable, especially if he's going to be a late lottery pick or a first-round pick. Marcus Carr may leave. Again, air quotes, he may leave, he may not. Peyton Willis leaves. I jokingly tweeted out yesterday, nobody wants to play here, but everybody wants to transfer here. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit lost as to what this means. I, I would, what what did our uh, guy Terrell Owens like to say? If it looks like a rat, smells like a rat, it probably is a rat. I'm not, I'm not saying that Richard Pitino's a rat. That might not have been the perfect analogy. But what I'm saying here is something doesn't pass the eye test, which is really weird to me because I only know the Richard Pitino that we see, the one who is very self-deprecating, very fun, the one who's betting his father on WrestleMania via the Twitter machine, the one who showed— Which, by the way, we can get to that, too. Like he, was, he was bound and determined to take Brock, Brock Lesnar solely for the purpose that he was a— I mean, I, we get it. Brock Lesnar was a gopher. That's fantastic. But if you paid any attention to the storyline, Drew McIntyre was winning that match. And, and that was the silliest bet you could have made uh, when you could have instead hosted Iona, or Iona in that game. Yeah. In, in, that, in that matchup. So, I, I mean... Yeah, it's great you took Brock, but I I, I, I would have done that. Well, and now, before I, I before I get your response to the question, now, as I pointed out to Manny via one of my good buddies again, now it's entirely possible you go to Iona and the jelly roll drops like 40 on you. How catastrophic yep. would that be? Yep, it wouldn't be a good luck. It, it would be uh, well. It'd be a uh, it'd be a, a a big game for him. So maybe he'd show up. I mean, we we've seen uh, a lot a lot of players in uh, in proven games. They tend to do that, especially in the sport of basketball. So we'll see. But yeah, I I don't love taking that bet on Brock Lesnar. That that was that would just seem silly to me, especially when I believe um, I believe Rick wanted to take Brock Lesnar, but Richard like basically lobbied for it because he was a gopher so you could have you had the win if you would have just taken drew mcintyre i'm telling you murph the tweets of richard patino's kids reenacting wrestling have you watched these yet have you seen him oh they're so funny and then there was one of the first quarantine tweets i saw him do was like his kids watching some cartoon with just awful singing, and it looked like I'd rather bang pots on my head than what Richard Pitino was watching. But more power to him. His quarantine tweets have been fantastic. I don't know if you saw, but uh, but Rick Pitino actually had tweeted a video, um, probably that that Richard had taken, but Rick tweeted it on his account, and it actually it, it was about. Um, Sami Zayn's match at WrestleMania, and Sami Zayn actually responded to it. So I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> you had you had um, you know Richard's kids, Rick's grandkids, that he was tweeting about in reference to Sami Zayn's match. I can't even remember who he, who he was facing for the Intercontinental, Intercontinental title, but Sami Zayn actually responded to Rick Pitino's tweet. So I thought that was pretty. Funny. I did not see that, Murph. Let's get to the original question before we move on to football. Are you bothered? Should we be bothered? Can you glean anything from 
I, I, what, I, I guess the one that I look at specifically is Marcus Carr declaring for the NBA draft. And albeit he may come you. back, and then Peyton Willis leaving, that, that surprised me. It probably didn't surprise the program, but it surprised me. I agree with that. So, well, basically, I'm throwing out Oturu and I'm throwing out Amir Coffey. Because it would have been one thing had Amir Coffey not even made it to the NBA this year. And maybe maybe that was something we'd want to analyze down the road if he never even, you know, suited up in an NBA game this year. But he did. And he played, you know, minutes for the Los Angeles Clippers this year. Daniel Oturu is going to be a first-round draft pick, possibly a lottery pick. That, I'm, I'm just throwing out the window. That happens... When, when players have really good seasons and they leave early to go get their money, that's I, I have zero um, like that makes that doesn't make me nervous at all. However, if Marcus Carr decides to enter the draft and doesn't get drafted, and you have the fact of Peyton Willis transferring as well, yeah, th- then that's a thing where you've had four people leave in a matter of two years early from the program, and three, I mean. Three of them with with aspirations to make it to the NBA. Marcus Carr, though, I I don't anticipate he'd even get a sniff in the draft. So if he actually declared and and hired an agent and was gone, yeah, and 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 co- combine that with Peyton Willis leaving early too, then that's a then that's a worry of of as you mentioned uh, the mass exodus as it's kind of become in the last two years. If anybody else enters the transfer portal between now and the next pod or now and the next week, things could get a, a little bit interesting. I, I guess who's that gonna, who's going to play for them next year? That <laughs> well, Liam Robbins and Brandon Johnson and uh, Richard may have to reach out to my actual buddy, Brandon Johnson yeah. to fill out the <laughs> roster, but I don't believe that that Brandon Johnson has any college eligibility left. Let's switch gears to some football. We'll close with a couple of football topics on this edition of the Score North Gophers show. I'll do what they call a reset in the radio business. I'm Ross Brendel. James Murphy is the other uh, the other melodious tones that you hear. Please, this podcast available, scorenorth.com, the free Score North mobile app. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, and if you wouldn't mind rating us, and we'd certainly love a positive review, that would be absolutely awesome if you would do that. So thank you very much. End of reset. Now back to the Score North Gophers show. So Matthew Collar wrote a piece at scorenorth.com, our very own Matthew Collar at scorenorth.com, on three Gophers in the draft that makes sense for the Vikings. Those include Antoine Winfield Jr., who Todd McShay has going as high as 19th to the Raiders, so he might not even be around for the Purple if they hold their 23rd and 25th overall picks. Who knows? Other name, Tyler Johnson, perhaps in the second or third round. We know the Vikings need some receivers. They It's a dearth of receivers right now for the Purple. And maybe even Carter Coughlin later in the draft. Those are the three names that Matthew Collar brings up. Again, that's available at scorenorth.com or through that free Score North mobile app. Your thoughts on all three of those remaining in Minnesota for it, or one of them, or maybe all three of them, Murph. I don't, that seems highly unlikely, <laughs> but would be something incredible. And I'll even throw in Kamal Martin's name late in the draft. Yep, or, I was going to uh, mention that. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Kamal Martin because I think end of the draft slash undrafted free agent, Kamal Martin could certainly be a name to watch because he has, I mean, as, as we all know, from watching him for four years in Minnesota. Kamal Martin is, is a seriously talented linebacker. He has the size, he has the speed, 
Um, to me, he has the football IQ. And I'm glad you brought him up because uh, he could have easily been added to this list after Carter Coughlin and maybe even around the same position as Car- uh, Carter might go. As for the other two, because I want to kind of focus on them, um, I think Antoine Winfield Jr., I, I think um, you mentioned McShay had him going about 19. I think that's a little bit high. I, I could see him lasting until the second round, and if that happens, if he's there when, they go, when uh, the Vikings are drafting in the second round, I think that's a no-brainer pick. But he is going to be a tremendous NFL player, I think, at the slot corner position. I don't think he plays safety in the NFL like he did in college. Um, but he is going. he has all the ball skills, the – um, the intuition, the the know-how to play defensive back. He was excellent all of his years that he played at Minnesota, and I think he's going to transition seamlessly in the NFL, especially if a team decides to put him at slot corner. I think that's his best position. Um, Tyler Johnson, I think that's the most likely to be a Viking is Tyler Johnson because what this year, if you if you um, if you've been paying attention at all to the uh, the draft class that we're that we're about to see be drafted in April here, I think receiver is the most deep position in this draft. In a relatively, they say it's it's more of a middle heavy rather than a top heavy um, draft. So I think Tyler Johnson, because the receiver position is so heavy. He, he could go in the second. He could fall to the third or fourth. But I think out of anything, just because of the Vikings need at that position, I think Tyler Johnson has the best chance to wind up staying in Minnesota. What, what do you think? So I will try and give you on those three names that Caller brought up, I will try and give you one bullet point on each of them. And I'll start with Antoine Winfield Jr. Antoine Winfield Jr. to me if he's going to remain at safety, doesn't seem very likely unless the Vikings move Ant Harris between now and basically the draft. And I just don't think that that's going to happen after after shelling out a contract for him and paying both safeties, right? That does that doesn't seem very likely to you, correct? Like I said, it would have to be a situation where he fell into the second round and, and maybe he's the top guy on your board at that point. Because in first, obviously, first and second round, you're you're mostly just ignoring position. You're you don't want to try to make a positional fit with your, especially your first round draft pick. You're just trying to take the best, the most talented player that you have available right there. Um, when you try to get positional in in the first round, it's just you, you usually end up missing because you have to just take the best guy there now. In the second round, you're a little bit more flexible to be able to take what you need. And as you mentioned, the Vikings certainly don't need a safety, for at least how the roster is constructed right now. Yeah, and, and to, clar- to clarify, Murph, we still don't know 100% what the Anthony Harris situation right. is going to be. But right. it, it sounds like they're... Now, some of this could be a smokescreen to try and move him, but when you're sitting down and, and allegedly talking long-term deal... It just seems that that's maybe where they're headed, but a lot of Ant- I, a lot of Antoine Winfield Jr.'s fate with or without the Minnesota Vikings is going to depend on what happens with Anthony Harris. On Tyler Johnson, I'd agree with you. If, if that's a player that you've identified and he's available in the second or third round and you really want him, then you take him. My Carter Coughlin take is if he's available late in the draft and the Vikings take him, 
I think that's a good thing because the Vikings have a really good draft record of taking defensive linemen in the draft. And if they like them enough to take them, then you trust that they know something. And yeah, yeah, Kamal Martin to me seems like a guy, if he's not drafted, it seems logical that the Vikings will reach out and and try and sign him as a rookie free agent. I think Antoine Winfield, for most people with the Vikings in the purple, Antoine Winfield Jr., probably the sexiest name more so than Tyler Johnson, just because his father played for the Vikings and had a had a great borderline Hall of Fame career playing for the Vikings. So I think that's where a, a lot of Vikings fans might have a little bit of pull for Antoine Winfield Jr. And obviously a lot of Vikings fans probably also go for fans. But I think it really just depends on what happens with Anthony Harris, if that's even a likely scenario at all. I want to bring up one more name too, Ross. And I, I've just seen him mocked a lot to the Vikings in, in the late round just because of their, their need at cornerback. Uh, they, they obviously they cut Xavier Rhodes. They didn't, re, uh, they didn't re-sign Trey Waynes. They didn't re-sign Mackenzie Alexander. So they have a big need at corner. Uh, Chris Williamson is is um, is available. And I think undrafted free agent, that might be someone they, they take a flyer on. I've seen him mocked to the Vikings quite a few times in the late rounds. So that might be a, another gopher to keep an eye on is cornerback Chris Williamson. Yeah, the gophers, or the gophers, excuse me, the Vikings currently... They do not have wide receivers, and they do not have cornerbacks. So fair fair to say, Murph, in the draft, there will be a wide receiver taken somewhere, maybe yes. in the first round. There'll be a yes. cornerback taken somewhere. And, maybe in the first round. And there could maybe in the first round, and there could be multiple of both throughout the draft. And I would expect as rookie free agents, you'll see a bunch of them as well. Neither here nor there, Murph, an interesting subplot, if you can say anything with COVID-19, is interesting. For the rookies and the undrafted rookies, what is this going to do for their potential to make rosters and even get playing time next year? That's something to me that I think we'll just have to see how the summer develops, but there's going to yeah. be less developmental time. We know that. So that... Yeah, less. I mean, we, we don't even know what's training camp going to look like at this point. What's... I mean... I, I, they're probably not even going to have mini camp, so that's just out the window. Do you training camp might be abbreviated. You might have the preseason abbreviated. Who knows? Do you think training camp will be open to less than fifty players to meet <laughs> to meet CD to meet CDC guidelines? I'm sorry, I'm trying to have a little bit of fun with this. I no, I will enjoy like not having all the all the Vikings fans congregate there. Like that to me, I I've only been. I don't know. Have you frequent? frequented training camp at all not uh, not at uh tco i went to mankato i've been to mankato but yeah I, I went one time and i'm like i don't need to be here this is there's there was nothing for me there that's not at all that is kind of how i feel about uh um why am I blanking? Preseason football. I almost said spring training football. That's kind of how I feel about preseason games. I I actually, more so than most, still think they're relevant. I'm okay playing three of them. I have no yeah. problem with preseason games. I'll check in and watch them on TV, but I'm, I really don't want to go there. I went to one a couple of years ago just so I could get into the stadium as a fan and kind of mm -hmm. mull around, but that, that was about it. I have... Yeah, preseason no, pre football can be fairly unwatchable at times. Oh yeah, I've been to one in my life, and and I just I I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of younger when I did it, 
And that was enough. Like, I don't need to go into another preseason football game. Final, I don't need to go to another Vikings training camp. That's, that's enough, too. Final note for this edition of the Score North Gophers show. Uh, from both Megan Ryan in the Star Trib and Andy Greeter in the Pioneer Press, they both have nice pieces on the Gopher football team landing four-star recruit cornerback Stephen Ortiz Jr. This Ortiz choosing to come to Minnesota, not leave Minnesota for just a life of luxury in Boston. This one choosing to come <laughs> to play for the University of Minnesota. He's a top 20 cornerback in the country. He had offers from Nebraska, Oregon, and Penn State. Murph, the current 2021 team ranking for the Gophers per rivals. I'm old school, so I'll still visit rivals. They have the Gophers at 17th in the country. It's only seven players so far. This has happened routinely the last few years for the Gophers. 17th in the country, you go, wow, that's really good. And then you see, well, it's only 7th in the Big Ten right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> that's the unfortunate part, that it seems to be every single... I mean, it, it's a... It's it's tough to it's tough to recruit in this conference, as you know, with a couple of absolute like blue blood programs, Ohio State, Michigan. It's tough to beat any even Wisconsin's tough to beat. It's mm-hmm. Nebraska recruits well. Like it's it's tough to beat a lot of these teams recruiting wise in the Big Ten. Would it surprise you if I told you, albeit very early? One of the teams that currently sits ahead of the Gophers in the 2021 recruiting ranking per rivals is they hail from Piscataway, New Jersey. Really? Why? <laughs> Why? Do we have? I'm. That's that's. I was expecting you to say like I don't even know. I'm Illinois or something. I was expecting something like that. Not not Rutgers. That's. I, is it too early to talk about Rutgers already? We were we enjoyed talking Rutgers football towards the end of the towards the end of the season on the Score North Gopher show. Is it too early to talk Rutgers football in uh, in COVID nineteen quarantine in in, in uh, early April? I don't know if it is. It, it probably is, and it's so early in the twenty twenty one recruiting. That's probably why they're at where they're at. It's yeah, just right. really fun to say Piscataway. No, yeah, and, and it's, uh, I mean, for, for us, it was it, it was bigger in basketball, but just saying that the rack was a tough place to play, I miss, I miss saying that every single week. How do we feel about landing a four-star recruit sight unseen? He's never been to Minneapolis. It's all, he, he basically committed having never He's been from, here. From Arizona, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I did we tell him that it's always like sunny in 70? <laughs> Well, there's no way that he has I mean, no idea you know what, what you're getting. You know what you're getting into when you're coming here. But it's just interesting. He might not. He might not. Can you, recall, can you recall any players from Arizona that the Gophers have? It's just an interesting state because you know usually you have your Florida. They've been obviously very heavy in Georgia as of late um, with with getting a lot of recruits from there. Arizona doesn't seem to me like a like a big recruiting state. So it's interesting that you have a, a top corner recruit from Arizona that decides to come here. Typically all the Minnesotans are leaving Minnesota to go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's typically a different age group, but that's typically what's happening. It's not it's not the other way around. No, no all kidding aside, no joke. This seems like a good get and why I brought this up today and, and we'll close with this Murph. 
to me, it's really good when you start seeing you landed a kid, whether he works out or not, you landed a kid who had a chance to go to an Oregon, go to a Penn State, even Nebraska. We can, you know, you can laugh at where their program's at right now, but there's... Maybe he wore a sweated, a hooded sweatshirt, um, and that's why... And he was so ostracized by Scott Frost. Yeah. That that's why he didn't choose. Maybe Frost pulled it. He he was going to go there and he said, nope, you're pro hoodie. So you are out. You can go row the boat in Minnesota. But I, I do think this, Murph, to close on, on a serious note, when you, you know, it used to be in Minnesota, we'd get excited five years ago. Well, maybe not excited, but you'd see, oh, this kid chose Minnesota over Cincinnati and Central Michigan. Great. <laughs> yeah, great. Let's hopefully we can coach him up and turn him into a pretty good football player. You can have less of a success rate with coaching up kids if you're getting a higher grade of an athlete. If you're getting more four-star recruits, you can have more of a fail rate. And if you don't have a high fail rate... Well, then great. Maybe PJ's right. Maybe we will be winning national championships again one day. So I think that's a great sign for the Gopher football program. It's just the kids that he's able to reach and talk to have, have alone elevated this program. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think that some of, the, some of the recruiting that he's been able to do, it, it's a different style because what – what Jerry before him would do was he would take these these lower lower um, level guys, two star, three star guys, and he turned them into guys who were producing and even possibly even getting to the next level, playing in the NFL. And seeing PJ being able to recruit these higher these higher um, rated guys, not from from out of the state, from out of the pipelines even or just generating new pipelines like he's done in the state of Georgia, that's been really entertaining to see. And I, I've, you definitely get the feeling that they're certainly building something here in Minnesota. And, and this, this recruit from, uh, from Arizona, the corner, it, it just adds to, to that, I, I believe. All right, Murph, what's next on your binging list on either Netflix, Hulu, or maybe a cable provider that you have? What are you attacking this upcoming weekend as we talk here on Friday afternoon, April 10th. I was late getting into Tiger King. Um, I I watched the first episode when it was getting popular, and it just didn't... I, I just watched the first one. I'm like, oh, it's kind of interesting. I just didn't keep watching it. And I've binged like three episodes in about the last day, so I'm probably going to finish that here either maybe today or tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I, Ozark looks good. I've heard people... Talking about that, the Netflix, the Netflix show, um, I look forward to watching that. Um, that's probably the next on my list. What about you? Well, Ozark's phenomenal. I'm through all three seasons. I watched something. I don't know if you saw the teasers for this. I watched the first season, and now I've come to learn the only season of Messiah. That was, I think I figured out why that's not being renewed for a second season on Netflix. The first five episodes were painfully slow. I guarantee you the finish rate on this show was not very high. But if you stuck it through the first five, or if you stuck through the first five episodes into the final five, it got a lot better. Are you a documentary guy? Do you do documentaries? 
Yeah, I do like them. I mean, I I have to kind of pick and choose. I mean, there's I I kind of all over the board, but I'd say most of the documentaries I like are the true the true crime style yeah. ones. But yeah, I, I like them. So the uh, trials of Gabriel Hernandez is it's a fantastic documentary, but it's also a horrible watch. That's my tease. If that it's it's about a a poor boy who was abused, but it's it's okay. a it's a solid documentary. The disappearance of Madeline McCann is worth a watch if you've seen that I've heard one. Of that one, yeah, yeah, that, I've looked into that one a little what's, bit. What's odd about that one is I remember that in real time, and I just don't remember so much of what they discussed. So, those are my tips for you. I'm also looking for uplifting things, so maybe I'll find a few of those. But I'm gonna check out tonight and tomorrow. Our friends at FSN Fox Sports North they have game one and two of the 1991 world series. So I think I'm going to check those out at least here and there. So that's, I've liked, I've liked that they've been putting on classic Timberwolves games from like the nineties. Like that's, and, and just that stuff I'd never seen before. Um, like seeing, I, I think it was, there was a game, um, between the wolves and the bulls in 97 that they had, they, they had, uh, that they had broadcasted and being able to watch that, that was really interesting. Cause I was, I mean, I wasn't, I was about four years old at that point. So that was really interesting to see the likes of Steph Marbury and Kevin Garnett uh, go up against MJ and, and the rest of the Bulls. So very interesting that they're 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 including the Wolves, and I'm happy to see they are. The, That's about the last time the Wolves were relevant, maybe. The Wolves with Tom Gugliotta, Stephon Ooh, Marbury, yes. before he whined his way out of town, and Kevin Garnett were... That was peak Timberwolves basketball for me, and I. It's not that I. I didn't, you know, lose my love for the Timberwolves in the NBA because they all left. I think what's it's been tough the last fifteen years when you have had next to zero relevancy. But right let, now, let me. I, I. I. Right now, though, very quickly, I, I'm cheering so hard for Ryan Saunders and for Gerson yeah. Rosas to get this thing figured out. I'm not. I'm not purposely doom and gloom for the Timberwolves, but until they turn the corner and reel me back in, I'm just going to keep assuming that every year is going to be, for lack of a better term, uh, what's the term the kids like to say? Dumpster fire. I yeah, just, I'm just going, like I'm just going to assume that that is every year until they Am turn I the still corner. A kid? Do I still count as a kid? What are you early twenty? Yeah. No, no, because now. Are you on you're you're off the parent insurance and you can rent a car, right? So you're no longer yeah. a kid. Yeah, okay. So you had you you call you started to say yes, but then you backpedaled pretty quick. I did. I did. <laughs> Do you have anything else? You were gonna say something and I cut you off. Uh yeah, I was I was just gonna ask about um it just because this is unrelated to the gophers, but we'll just we'll just broach it anyway. Um two thousand four. Were you super invested in the Wolves? Oh, so so fun, so fun. What I, was that like? Because I mean, I, I I mean, I remember it, but I was so young. It was uh, when they beat the Kings. I remember thinking that it was going to be tough to beat LA, but I thought they would beat LA. And then, of course, Sam Cassell gets injured, and that just dramatically changed the entire series. But it was so fun. You know, my dad is not a huge basketball guy. I mean, he he's. I mean, he checks in on the Timberwolves, but he's not going to yeah. watch every game. I, yeah. When when somebody like him becomes invested, that's when you know it was catching on. And it was uh, honestly, everybody had Timberwolves fever, and it's yeah. it's funny to even think about now. Is everyone doing their 
Was everyone doing their hair like free well? No, like, what they were, friends? but you know, you'd walk around town <laughs> and people would just go, ow. Yeah. No, nobody did yeah. that. I'm joking, but no, it was, <laughs> it was, it was really fun. And I think even after that year, I think we all had hopes for the following year. And then the wheels just fell off. Yeah. Cassell yeah. and Spreewell didn't want to be here anymore. Garnett well, he was. He did, but he just wanted to be able to feed his kids, well, yeah. which is, I mean, that's, that's a reasonable request, right? <laughs> yeah. And you, and I think the offer was like 9 million a year. You can't do that. It was, yeah, it was like three years, like <laughs> three years, 35. Uh, it, uh, a lot of people. Mer- which at that time was a lot. A lot of people, a lot of professional athletes live a different life than what Ross Brendel and James Murphy are living. <laughs> it's a lot of Jack's Pizza you can buy for 35 mil. Oh, an incredible amount. Murph, I'm going to leave it there other than I am going to have Jack's Pizza for dinner. We only went about 12 minutes over the length that that's, I wanted. That's to, fine. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Free we want, content for everyone listening. Yeah, and we hope people are enjoying it. We're going to keep doing these quarantined editions. The feedback's been largely positive. Look, you know people are bored at their homes, Murph, when I'm getting feedback that people want more. If you right, want, right. if you want to hear more <laughs> Ross Brendel and James Murphy and Manny Hill on the Score North you're Gopher bored. show, we know you're pretty darn bored. But honestly, thanks to the Gophers, we thought we'd have a tough time finding things to talk about. Every time They've we've chatted, yeah, every time we've chatted, there's been there's been plenty to talk about. Not a ton of votes, Murph, but I did put on Twitter. What do people think will cancel or postpone the 2021 spring game? And game day plumbing issues did win that vote. Mm. I don't, I don't find that super um, believable, but I guess we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see for for a year from now, and we'll see what what ends up canceling next year's spring game. Great to see your smiling face. I'm going to cheers you with my A and W root beer that's almost gone because it was on sale at Cub. Right. Yes, and uh, and I'm glad you I'm glad you glowed up to the brand name root beer. I'm really happy to see that you weren't buying 99 cent root beer. Well, only because the two liter was only 20 cents more and not a full dollar more because it was yeah, on that's, sale. Yeah, that's that's a bargain. That's bargain. that's, that's J- that is James Murphy. Do me a favor, give him a follow on Twitter at Murph underscore MN on the Twitter machine. I am at Brendel Ross on the Twitter machine. This has been another quarantined edition of the Score North Gopher Show. We will talk again soon.